This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. It gives me great fraternal pleasure to introduce Brother Michael Howard, member of William H. Upton Lodge, number 206, and Scottish Rite Mason, Valley of Bremerton, Washington. Brother Howard is the author of this short talk bulletin, Volume 100, Number 1, from January of 2022. Brother Howard. Captain Nemo was a Mason. Worshipful Master Nemo, Brethren of the Deeps, or the Nautilus, a clandestine travelogue, by Brother Mike Howard. 150 years ago, Jules Verne's classic science fiction novel, Vingt Mille Lires sous le Mer, burst upon the world stage. Originally run in serial form in the bi-weekly magazine Deducation et de Recreation, the novel recounts the adventures of marine biologist Professor Aranax and two colleagues who, thrown overboard by a collision at sea, are rescued by a traveling lodge of Freemasons. They are furnished with clothing provided by the Worshipful Master, repeatedly brought from darkness to light, and eventually return to the outer world after glimpsing, and in some cases embracing, not only monitorial truths, but strong hints of the more esoteric lessons of Freemasonry. Not quite the way you remember the storyline, not too surprising considering that the seminal English translation by the Reverend Lewis Page Mercier in 1873 as 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was fatally flawed. Was Jules Verne a Freemason? Author Michel Larny explores Jules Verne's connections to the prominent secret societies of his time in The Secrets of Jules Verne, Decoding His Masonic Rosicrucian and Occult Writings, but he offers no proof that Verne was ever initiated, passed, or raised to the sublime mysteries of Freemasonry. No French lodge, or any other lodge, claims him as a member. But like all good writers, Verne was an avid reader. In the wake of the American Morgan Affair in 1826, and numerous tell-all books revealing Masonic secrets, available on both sides of the Atlantic, he would have had access to otherwise hidden mysteries of that ancient fraternity. Two, continental Freemasonry, certainly the various high rites practiced in France, formed exclusive clubs for the wealthy and influential. The bewildering number of advanced degrees, and some rites more than 80, were expensive and excluded all but the wealthy. Their esoteric lessons were often discussed in private associations and philosophical circles that Jules Verne would have had been on intimate terms with. If Verne was not a Freemason, Mercier certainly was, having been appointed provincial grand chaplain to Warwickshire Freemasons in 1852. He was not a wealthy man and was indeed in financial straits when commissioned to translate Verne's work into English. Although paid by the word as a translator, Mercier eliminated a full 20% of Verne's original content, mistranslating or omitting key passages. 
His Blue Lodge loyalties may or may not account for the omission or obscuration of many Masonic allusions. His motives are not clear. For the Masonic references, you can't beat the original French. But failing that, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the complete restored and annotated edition by F.P. Walter, published in 1999, is vastly superior to Mercier. In a monitorial passage shared by most English-speaking lodges, Freemasonry consists of a course of moral and philosophical instruction illustrated by hieroglyphics and taught according to ancient usage by types, emblems, and allegorical figures. One could say the same of Verne's novel. Nemo epitomizes the three great tenets of a Mason's profession, brotherly love, relief of the distressed, and truth. He is proficient in the seven liberal arts and sciences, grammar, languages, rhetoric, logic, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. Aronax and his chums are rescued from the sea, ark and anchor, hourglass and working tool analogies. They are prepared in darkness and clad in clothing furnished by the master of the lodge before being brought to light. Nemo leads Aronax to submerged Atlantis with its Tuscan architecture and fallen Tuscan columns. Emblems such as chalk, charcoal, and the beehive are referenced, seemingly superfluous intrusions into the storylines. An undersea funeral evokes ceremonies any Freemason would recognize. Mourners and pallbearers march behind their worshipful master to a pedestal of rough ashlar blocks surmounted by a rosy cross. He calls a halt, the mourners form a semicircle, and at his signal, one of the men prepares the grave. The body is interred, and Captain Nemo, arms crossed over his chest, kneels in a posture of prayer, followed by those assembled. The grave sealed, the mourners stand and approach the mound, sink again on bended knee, and extend their hands in a sign of final farewell. When Aronax asks about the interred crew member, Nemo, in a passage omitted by Mercier, responds, A brother lays down his life for his brother. A friend for a friend, what could be simpler? That's the law for everyone on board the Nautilus. The sable flag, emblazoned with the motto Mobilis in Mobile and the letter N in gold, planted on the South Pole and again used as a battle flag during the final encounter with the Russian dreadnought, is particularly significant. In the French ancient and accepted rite, a master's degree lodge was draped in black, strewn with tears of mourning, commemorating the death and loss of the builder. But in master-elect of the nine, protect the oppressed from the oppressor, black sprinkled with red denotes a grade of vengeance. Black is also symbolic in the elect of the 15, a grade of the dagger associated with sorrow, retribution, and blood. Chevalier elect and Chevalier Kadosh are likewise graves of vengeance. Jules Verne conceived the vengeful Nemo as a Polish aristocrat victimized by a Russian despots, but his nationality was not revealed until the sequel, Mysterious Island. His publisher feared losing the profitable Russian book market and prevailed upon Verne to change Nemo's nationalities from Polish to Indian. After all, 19th century India wasn't big on French books. 
Many Masonic lodges began sponsoring new lodges when their own numbers exceeded 40 members. Halfway through the account, Aranax reports some 20 of the Nautilus sailors climbing onto the platform to retrieve fishing nets deployed the nights before. Counting the numerous mounds at the Rosy Cross Cemetery, plus the recently interred brother, and adding in the chief officer and a few other officers, Nemo's crew once numbered at least 30. The likelihood that the critical staff remained on board while the fishing nets were retrieved pushes likely crew numbers back towards 40. In most U.S. jurisdictions, a minimum of three officers are required to open lodge. However, opening rituals are written for a full complement of seven or eight. And between COVID-19 and declining participation in legacy fraternal organizations, most American lodges would be proud to be able to open lodge with a guaranteed crew of 20, not to mention 30 or 40. The black pennant implies that the Nautilus, a traveling lodge if there ever was one, was a lodge of vengeance and retribution. One could speculate that Nemo and the Nautilus operated under a dispensation granted as a last gasp when its Grand Lodge was purged by a despotic czar, but that's unlikely considering Nemo's proclivities for anonymity. Now, if the Nautilus was a lodge, it was almost certainly clandestine. But clandestine or no, its members were bound to protect their ceremonies from the eyes of Cowans and eavesdroppers. Hence, while concluding that his personal interests could be reconciled with that natural compassion, to which every human being has a right, Nemo allowed his passengers, or prisoners, unfettered access to the ship, with the stipulation that they would allow themselves to be consigned to their cabins for some hours or some days to prevent them from seeing what they weren't meant to see. Russia and Poland had long Masonic traditions, chartered and, after being purged by sequential legal decrees, recharted by the Grand Orient of France. If Nemo's Freemasonry seems a bit severe to American practitioners of that noble institution, Slavic rites could well have followed precursors embracing archaic blood initiation rituals, vengeance, and retaliation, distinctly darker than those represented today. While Verne was almost certainly not a Mason, he almost as certainly wrote his character Captain Nemo as a master of Masonic arts. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AF&AM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.